This podcast contains sensitive and sometimes graphic details, information, and testimonials relating to burn injuries, burn victims, death, disaster survivors, and PTSD. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome back to the podcast miniseries, We Need Ice, Explosion on the Railroad. Just a reminder, this audio story is best listened to in episode order. So if you're tuning in for the first time, yay, I'm so glad to have you. But I urge you to start from one and catch up. Okay? Last episode was a heavy one. I found it apropos to highlight the lives taken by the 73 Blevy and the community's collective grief before getting into today's topic. Today, we're going to dive into the Doxel situation. You recall Doxel was the industrial plant the deadly propane belonged to. And you probably recall that I left you guys last episode on a little cliffhanger. I find a small write-up in the bottom corner of the front page, and a heading containing a name my eyes are now trained to take focus on. Doxel. Oh my gosh, Doxel. The full title of the tiny article is, Doxel Answers Questions. (laughs) This ought to be good. Well, without further ado, I'm holding that article right now, so let's get into it. Thursday, August 30th, 1973, is the date marked on this paper, and it reads, An attorney representing Doxel Propane has responded to questions asked by the minor staff about the circumstances related to the fire and explosion in Kingman on July 5th. Phillips A. Robbins of the Phoenix law firm of Robbins, Green, O'Grady, and Abul attended the inquest conducted by Justice of the Peace Clyde McCune last week. While in Kingman, he explained to the miner that litigation will probably resolve some of the answers to the questions raised, but that he would answer the questions posed on July 26th as best he could, and that the questions had been raised before any of the lawsuits had been filed. Why was the tank car in demurrage standing in the hot sun for so long a period before being unloaded? Attorney Robbins said that a railroad tanker car is considered to be a suitable type storage unit, assuming it is in good condition. He explained that there is no way of knowing when the two large storage tanks at Doxel Yards will be depleted of fuel and need replenishing. The fuel is ordered out of Los Angeles area and is stored in a tanker car until the storage yard tanks need to be filled. The storage yard tanks apparently did not need refilling until the day it was unloaded. Why was the tank unloaded in the middle of the day rather than in the evening? Attorney Robbins said that only one person, Marvin Mast, the manager of the local Doxel propane installation, could have answered this question. Mast was killed in the explosion on July 5th. However, Attorney Robbins explained that if a tank car is in good condition, 
and the safety mechanisms are functioning properly, that propane fuel can be transferred from one tank to another no matter what the temperature might be." End quote. Now this news piece isn't what you'd call a deep dive, but it does attempt to address questions I think we've all been wondering about. Why was the tanker sitting exposed to the harshest of elements for so long, and why did the task of transferring the gas fall in the midday scorching heat? Overall, I'm satisfied with the answers given. Although a little vague, it makes sense. I mean, accidents happen, and this article makes it sound like there was no deliberate negligence on Doxel's part. Nonetheless, responsibility for such a devastating event like this one cannot be skirted. We know this well today. Amongst all the scandals and crime, natural disasters occurring and being packaged in news stories, editorials, and talk shows for public consumption, there's always the $64,000 question. Who is at fault? Someone has to pay, and especially when lives are lost. But if the system has taught us anything, it's that nothing is processed quickly. Ideally, the victims would be promptly compensated, but we're talking about a large number of injured people and affected families. Thankfully, a burn fund was initiated, and donations assisted the victims while proper investigations were performed and insurance claims handled. An update regarding the burn fund is printed in a Mojave Minor issue from July 26, 1973. It reads, Donations of $66,374.81 have been received for the Kingman Burn Fund, W.R., a.k.a. Bud Farrell, Vice President of the Valley National Bank, reported this week. A community-wide committee has been formed to handle the funds which began coming in soon after the tragic results of the explosion and fire of July 5th became known to local residents and interested persons from Arizona and other states. The monies will be used to assist families of those who have died or were burned. End quote. While charity provided immediate monetary relief for Kingman, research into the Blevy and the Doxel plant continued. Another article published on July 12th touches on that process with the headline, Explosion Investigation Begins, Problem of Oil Storage Talked. It reads, The possibility of a faulty valve is being investigated in connection with the explosion of a propane railroad tanker car last Thursday, which killed three persons instantly, with six other persons now dead as the result of burns suffered. The 30,000-gallon tanker was fitted with special valves designed to blow off pressure in the event of fire. State Fire Marshal Robert J. Ross said the accident was the worst firefighting disaster in Arizona. Fire Chief Charlie Potter said this week that the investigation is continuing and that the cause of the explosion has not been determined. Assistant State Fire Marshal Cy Ringel was in Kingman on Friday leading the investigation. 
It was reported that other state agencies and a federal agency have joined in the investigation. George Dempsey, executive director of the Arizona Corporation Commission, said a federal investigator was called in to start piecing the car back together. We won't really know what happened until his investigation is complete. Sections of the tanker were blown up to a quarter mile away in the area, as depicted in photographs taken at the site and appearing elsewhere in this issue. Assistant State Fire Marshal Ringel interviewed firemen and eyewitnesses in seeking to recreate what happened at the time of the explosion. An eyewitness saw a V-shaped tongue of flame shoot 50 to 100 feet in the air, and seconds later, witnesses reported the tanker was enveloped in a fireball that rose 200 feet. Overpressure in the tank was indicated, Ringel said, during the preliminary investigation. Ringel emphasized that the Kingman Fire Department was apparently following the proper procedure in dealing with the fire. Fire Chief Potter said Monday that the fire was handled in the proper manner, exactly as the firemen have been trained. Everything that had to be done was done, and no one backed away from it, he said. End quote. Kind of an eerie statement, isn't it? No one backed away from it. Explosion fighting protocol has drastically changed since the 73 Blevy. But back then, in the line of fire was protocol. I'll say this from my own research. I am unable to be overtly critical of the Doxel company and their recovery efforts. It seems to me they were advised well in their handling of the Blevy aftermath. I find several articles referencing a no-pushback approach to claims and settlements. I'll quote one now. Doxel Propane Company has arranged for underwriters. All bills are going to be paid. End quote. So again, reading these news updates from 50 years ago... I don't find anything nefarious surrounding Doxel's responsibility to the propane or tanker, as well as in their legal ramifications after the 73 Blevy. At least, it sounds like Doxel's post-Blevy plan was to provide relief to the victims quickly, avoiding as much process and paperwork as possible. Still, The Blevy disaster that occurred in Kingman, Arizona, 1973, is commonly referred to as the Doxel Explosion. Regardless of the tragedy being accidental, even a freak of nature, some may say, the Doxel Company's name will remain in association with 12 premature deaths and the loss of a town's innocence. I'm reminded of another name, Josh Hamilton. Ring a bell for anyone out there? Fellas? Well, let me explain. It's July 7th, 2011, and a father and his six-year-old son are attending a baseball game 
in Arlington, Texas. Oh, and coincidentally, the father and Ranger fan Shannon Stone was a 39-year-old firefighter from Brownwood, Texas. That's neither here nor there to this side story, but I just wanted to make that connection. It's the second inning of the game between the Texas Rangers and the Oakland A's. The father and son pair are enjoying the sport from their first row seats above and behind the Rangers' scoreboard. A ball is hit into foul territory, and outfielder Josh Hamilton intends to retrieve it to continue play. When Shannon realizes this major league ball player looks to be within earshot or eye shot of him and his boy, he sees what he believes is a once in a lifetime opportunity. Shannon begins to call down to Josh, waving his hands erratically, pleading with him to pitch the ball into the stands. Obviously, wanting the ball as a memento of this day and the hobby he shares with his son. Somehow, through the crowd's chatter and cheers, in a most unlucky stroke of luck, Shannon does get Josh Hamilton's attention. The father's request appeals to the ball player's sensitivities, and Josh obliges. In one effortless movement, the professional tosses the baseball to the man as his son stands next to him, jumping up and down, unable to contain his excitement. What happens next is literally recorded in sports history. The video replay documents a devastating loss, but I don't mean in the game of baseball. The camera pans over the crowd and rests in the stands where Shannon is shown, arm out in sweet anticipation of catching Josh's pitch. As the ball floats through the air, approaching his position, Shannon leans over the guardrail to catch it. He wants this so badly. The adrenaline in his upper body is raging, and Shannon loses his footing, falling headfirst over the rail, plunging 30 feet to his death as his young son and shocked fans witness every painful second. The gasps from the crowd are audible in the video replay, followed by pin drop silence. Of course, it's been universally concluded that Josh Hamilton had no ill intent behind his fateful pitch to a devoted fan and loving father. Quite the opposite is agreed upon. But good intentions notwithstanding, the name Josh Hamilton will always be in association with the pitch and the freak fall of Shannon Stone, which in an instant robbed a six-year-old boy of his father and widowed his mother. I think you now understand the parallels in this story and the Doxel situation. Even at the direct fault of no one, Misfortunes like the Doxel explosion and Josh Hamilton's pitch are remembered and referred to by name. If you haven't made it over to WeNeedIce.com yet, you'll want to do that. 
I'm sure you can imagine the insane amount of internet searches I've executed in preparation for this podcast. I've gathered a lot of photos, data, and news clippings from the 73 Blevy, and you can check them out there at weneedice.com. Since we've been on the Doxel topic, there's a particular piece of evidence you might want to view, a video. And it must be said, this video is always accompanied with a caption or note like this one from a Reddit post, and I quote, Only known video of the 1973 Kingman, Arizona Doxel Blevy, one of the worst firefighter tragedies in the U.S. caused by the failure of a train car carrying propane heated by impinging flames, end quote. The video is not of HD quality, but that doesn't prevent it from making its statement. It's all there. The spewing flames above tank car number 38214, the eruption of the Blevy, and enormous mushroom cloud enveloping the town of Kingman, and then there's Doxel. In several panned-out shots, you get a pretty clear visual of the plant and the industrial terrain so adjacent to the residential town of Kingman, I just as soon call it a blended landscape. The videographer's footage follows Route 66 where eerie scenes come into the viewfinder as he's driving along. Doxel-branded trucks and gas storage tanks parked on the property, giant pieces of metal shrapnel from the exploding tanker blocking the road, and dilapidated structures, which were just moments before standing strong, like the Phillips gas station. An old-timey ambulance van races towards the disaster, passing directly in front of the camera. It's something else, I tell you, an experience for sure. So, before you open up TikTok or social media for another mindless round of scrolling housewives, drunk fails, and puppies, join me at weneedice.com. I'll see you there. Next time on We Need Ice, Explosion on the Railroad. And to children with a dream of becoming one of their larger-than-life heroes, up there on those shiny red trucks, gallantly racing into the flames, Trusting in their training and God, they'll return safely. We lost 11 firefighters. Did we lose them in vain? No. You know, there are probably hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of firefighters out there from this tragic event that learn how to deal with potential blevies. <laughs>